What's up, everybody? This is Dr. Adam Rennie. This is episode two of One Thing, where we speak with Dr. Debbie Miller of Sound Mind Medicine in the Seattle area. Dr. Miller is a specialist in mind-body medicine. In this episode, she teaches us how to train your nervous system to become more resilient. She is an expert in a technique called biofeedback. Biofeedback allows us to learn how to work with our body to deal with stress, pain, anxiety, sleep disorders, and other conditions that may be affected by the nervous system. Listen in as she walks us through this very interesting and effective technique called biofeedback. Hey, we're just about to start our episode. I just want to remind you that show notes for this episode are on our website at www.soundintegrative.com. You can see the link to the One Thing podcast on the website. All notes from the episode will be put on that with resources and further learning opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. Now a little bit more about our guest, Dr. Debbie Miller. Dr. Miller is a graduate of Bastyr University where she received her doctorate in naturopathic medicine. She also has an undergraduate degree from Brandeis University in Boston, Massachusetts. Dr. Miller currently serves as adjunct faculty at Bastyr University and she also has a clinic called Sound Mind Medicine in the Seattle area. During her training, she took a special interest in mind-body medicine and went on to get advanced certification as a board-certified specialist in biofeedback. Dr. Miller, from what I understand, is also an exceptional musician. We are very honored to speak with Dr. Miller and hear about her passion for biofeedback. Welcome to the show, Dr. Miller. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. Um, So we've been sort of talking a lot about your interest and why don't we just kind of go into a little bit about things that you focus on in your clinical practice and you know just kind of tell me a little bit about your your background with that. Yeah sure Um, so in my clinical practice um, I use biofeedback training as my main uh, modality that I uh, use when I help people and um, I see people who are sort of suffering from the effects of chronic stress and I teach people how to use their own bodies over time how to become more resilient to stress um, and this hopefully you know decreasing their symptoms or why they originally came in and um, when you say chronic stress or anyone says chronic stress that can mean a lot of things but uh, typically I see people who are struggling with um, anxiety or digestive issues that are strongly tied to stressful events or people who get panic attacks or people who have elevated blood pressure, um, migraines, things like that. That seems like a lot of people <laughs> that I know. <laughs> yeah, so, um, what, um, so what drew you to the biofeedback arena? Yeah, so that started when I was a student Um, in naturopathic medical school at Bastyr. I took the biofeedback elective with my, uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Brad Lichtenstein. And I just became so fascinated by the connections between, you know, what are, what we, how we experience the world and um, uh, sort of how we feel emotionally. And how does that tie to our physical symptoms and our overall health and well-being? Um, Because often, you know, sometimes I I think it's funny that we think 
mind-body medicine as if they're two different things, but actually, you know, they're all in the same container and they both Mm -hmm. (laughs) influence one another. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I just, um, I love helping people sort of connect the dots between those two things and sort of the star Mm -hmm. in all of this really is a person's nervous system. Okay. Yeah. So is, so how does that connect the mind and the body? Like, can you give us some core concepts of, of mind body medicine from a nervous system perspective? Yeah, for sure. So, um, so let's say from the brain down, um, if you detect a threat of some kind, whether, and now a threat can be an actual physical threat, or it can be like an emotional stress, your body kind of reads it in the same way. Um, If you detect a threat, then a whole cascade of physiological changes will start to happen in your body, um, sort of preparing almost for like a fight or flight state, no matter what the stress is. So you get a cascade of stress hormones, your breathing changes, so that changes how oxygen gets delivered to your, um, your organs and tissues. And so that's one way that like, you know, your mind sort of telling your body what's happening. Um, and it also works the other way back up. So it's a two way street. Um, and the way we sort of are in our body can really influence what's where the experience of our own mind. And okay. it, it turns out our brain isn't really the only kind of sense things that are getting input. Um, there are different areas of our body that are sending up information to our brains about our sense of well-being. Um, and the two main ones are the gut and uh, the heart. Okay. So, you know, I talk with people about this and I think it seems like even without knowing science, this is a concept that um, people just really kind of innately understand. Is that your experience? Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of times when I sort of explain to people the physiological changes and things that they might be experiencing, it's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's me. Um, Because the truth is that's everyone. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think so much of you know, we've, we've been taught, you know, to kind of look at the body and all these separate pieces, like separate systems, like what's going on in the brain is not related to what's going on in the gut and vice versa. And then when, you know, someone opens the opportunity for someone to explore the connection, it's, you know, it no longer seems so confusing. Right. So, um, like with, with, uh, brain and the gut can can we kind of dive into that because that's a lot of what um my listeners are interested in um i would say you know um brain and gut and also brain and heart like what how does that work i mean what's what's the key drivers of um the control between those systems like you know if we could just go into some of the science Mm -hmm. um so when it comes to um, the brain and the gut, let's say we're talking about sort of a stressful fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. Um, let, and, and let's say, you know, you have some kind of stressor, whether it be 
emotional or physical or you see a person that causes you a lot of distress, um, oftentimes what can happen is your body kicks into sympathetic arousal or mm -hmm. fight or flight. And physiological changes that happen, one of the main ones is that because your body is literally preparing to fight or to flee, all of your inner resources get directed away from your digestive tract. Mm. So blood goes away from your digestion and mm. is moving to like major muscle groups to help you fight or flee. Um, it's just sort of like repurposing resources. And because um, blood flow is uh, decreasing in your, in your digestion, um, also like digestive secretions are decreasing like enzymes and things that might help you break down your food, uh, GI motility. So everything that's squeezing all the, the goop through yeah. decreases because your body just, you know, is not, doesn't have capacity for it at the moment when you're preparing mm -hmm. to fight. It's a survival, it's a survival, uh, feature of our body. Okay. So um, it's almost like, it's almost like we have like an economy in our, in our body that distributes where to put our resources during, during certain kind of perceived or real. Yeah, exactly. Events. And uh, I think what's important, um, for people to understand is that that's just the way that your nervous system is wired from an evolutionary perspective. Mm -hmm. So that's, so it's not someone's, Oh, like I caused my own GI distress because I was upset or I was stressed when actually it's just the way that we're designed mm -hmm. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so with your practice, like what do you do to help people with this situation? Once you've sort of assessed, they have, of a brain gut or brain heart imbalance? So one of the primary goals when I'm working with someone is to increase um, something called vagal tone. Mm, okay. So on the flip side, like when I just described, um, you know, if you're in sympathetic mode, fight or flight, some things that might happen, some changes that might happen. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, um, we have sort of the more peaceful, restful aspect to our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system. And the main nerve is the vagus nerve, to, just to give a little bit of background. And the vagus nerve connects the brain, the lungs, the heart, digestion. It's the primary nerve that controls these sort of uh, more peaceful, relaxed, functions in the body when you're functioning in a more balanced state mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um, over time um, what I'm helping people do is sort of increase their vagal tone de decrease the activity of their sympathetic nervous system to help them build more resiliency when it comes to stress so every time something stressful happens they don't automatically get kicked into gear with a fight-or-flight response Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always sort of confused, like how this relates to like heart rate variability. Oh and yeah. So what's, what's the, is that, is that sort of a tool that measures how well the system is operating? So it's a good measure and it's also um, what we train to increase. 
Okay. So it's almost like when, when I, the best way I, I like to describe it is when um, you train someone's heart rate variability, or it's like doing exercise for your nervous system. So you're in training. And so mm-hmm. we practice being in that state and teach someone's body how to learn to be in that state and how to remember it so that they can access it whenever they need to. That is really cool. I think it's, it's amazing. You know, I've, um, so there's, there's obviously various tools and we can, we can put some links up, um, later, but about, you know, how people can understand heart rate variability, um, as well. So that's part of your, your practice. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what are you focused on now, um, with your, uh, your practice in general, where are you going with things? Yeah. Um, Thank you for asking that. I just, so I've been doing mostly biofeedback sort of body up kind of modalities. Um, and I recently started uh, diving into neurofeedback, which essentially is biofeedback for the brain. Um, so it's learning how to regulate your nervous system almost from the top down. We have lots of different uh, brainwave frequencies that exist in our brain. And um, neurofeedback is measuring. So it's just a sensor. Uh, Electrodes kind of get stuck on your scalp and can measure your brainwaves. And they don't actually do anything. It's just a sensor. So you can kind of get a sense sense of what's going on Mm -hmm. (laughs) inside the brain. And... Um, different frequencies are sort of different are associated with different states of arousal. So you have brain waves that are more associated with sleep, brain waves that are more associated with a dreamlike state, brain waves that are more associated with a relaxed meditative state, and brain waves that are more associated with like a focused state. Um, and a lot of times, um, people who have experienced trauma, people who have uh, PTSD, um, people who uh, struggle with ADHD, for example, uh, even people who um, have epilepsy can find a lot of benefit from neurofeedback because it helps sort of bring normal function and electrical balance, if you will, back to the brain. Hmm. So is that using a different sort of modality um, than you would with, say, um, the other forms of biofeedback we've talked about? Um, so it's similar in that a person, so with bio, any type of biofeedback, whether it's um, neurofeedback or um, heart rate variability biofeedback or other modalities of biofeedback, there's always a sensor to detect what's going on, and there's always feedback coming directly back to the person on a screen so they can see in real time what's going mm-hmm. on in their body. And so they can mm. make the, the changes that they need to make, and it sort of reinforces um, from that aspect. So with neurofeedback, um, when you're learning to train your brain, essentially you get feedback from a screen that you're putting your brain in a specific state. And over time, it really just, 
your brain is learning. So it kind of retrains the brain um, where okay. it needs to be. Does that make sense? I'm not sure I explained that yeah. very clearly. Yeah, no, you, you did. Okay. Um, so it seems like, so, so are people practicing like a state of being like mindfulness or are they practicing um, breathing techniques to help kind of balance this um, balance regions of their brains or what, what are they actually doing? Um, that's a really good question. And the answer is yes. So a person needs to okay. sort of figure out um, how to get to a certain place. Um, and oftentimes that can be focusing on breathing, um, focusing, you know, using different mindfulness techniques, uh, doing a body scan, something like that to bring them into a specific state. And whether they're doing it or not is they get confirmation sort of from the screen. Yeah. Yeah. But what is so cool about this is like, I think um, having someone like you guide them and then getting the feedback from the technology um, is just such a, it's such a great combination because one without the other kind of leaves someone sort of grasping. Yeah, for sure. And then e even with just, um, you know, everyone says, and it's because it's true, um, <laughs> um, well, you know, if you focus on breathing, like everyone should, you know, be doing breathing, 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 breathing. But if you don't actually know how to do it and you don't get sort of that physical muscle memory, it can be difficult to do in a way that's functional for your body if you don't know how. And that's why these little gizmos and gadgets are really helpful. So people then can know, actually know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's outstanding. So um, this has been really interesting. Thank you so much. Can you just tell us a little bit more about how people can learn about you and maybe some resources if they want to learn some more on their own? Sure. Um, my practice is called Sound Mind Medicine. And my website is soundmindmedicine.com. If they want to okay. learn more about uh, my practice. And um, resources in general, I think most people would be really fascinated by something called um, the polyvagal theory, <laughs> which sounds okay. really nerdy, and maybe that's a turnoff already, but um, it's such a wonderful... Not, not to me. Not to you, but it's, it's such a wonderful uh, way to be able to understand how your nervous system functions and how we've evolved and why we experience certain symptoms we experience. So if you just Google this guy, his name is Stephen Porges. He's got about a billion uh, YouTube videos where he's being interviewed and he describes this. And um, I just encourage people to, to check that out. It's fascinating. Bill, that sounds great. And we'll put more information up on the, the show notes uh, page and Dr. Miller, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, and, thank you uh, for having me. Yeah, we'll have to kind of check in with you down the road to see more about what, you know, how things are, are evolving with your practice. Yeah. This is Dr. Rindy's outtake on episode two of One Thing, where we spoke with Dr. Debbie Miller. I'd like to use my outtake to just kind of answer the question, so what? So what did we just learn? And... So what's so important about it? Stress is everywhere. In fact, 
if we have too little stress, that's not good for us. But if we have too much stress, we all know harm that that, that can cause. The one thing that seems to be clear is we don't have an awareness, generally speaking, of how stress is impacting our physiology. With biofeedback, it brings an awareness to stress and its impact on your physiology, mainly its impact on the autonomic nervous system. So what's so important about this? Well, using the example of heart rate variability, if we had no control offered by the autonomic nervous system, the heart rate would sit roughly around 100 beats per minute. Now, if we lose parasympathetic control, meaning that the stress that's running through our autonomic nervous system mediated by the vagal nerve, if that is highly sympathetic and overriding the relaxation response, which is driven by the parasympathetic nervous system, the heart rate will continue to go up and we will see the impact of the stress on our cardiovascular system, which also has an impact on our central nervous system. Now, if we do have some regulatory control, then our parasympathetic system will step in and buffer this response so that there's sort of a putting some gas on and then putting the brakes on. And this sort of buffering system stabilizes the nervous system so we never get too pushed into an elevated heart rate. Um, now, vice versa, we do need the sympathetic nervous system to be operating well because there are incidents when we do want accelerated heart rate such as being in a, an acute stressor or needing to get out of the way of a moving car or um, running from danger. So what's so important about this? If we have an awareness of how well our autonomic nervous system is functioning, then we can do something about it before we get caught off guard. So the autonomic nervous system seems to be involved with regulating breathing, digestion, also regulating obviously the cardiovascular system, and it's connected to immune function. By monitoring your heart rate through heart rate variability and using that biofeedback measure, you can slowly adapt your lifestyle to know when it's important for you to rest when it's important for you to maybe do more exercise. Um, sometimes it might give you clues as to when a cold or infection is about to kick in. And it might be an indicator that your body needs sort of, sort of more focused on nutrition and more focused on rest. Biofeedback also can tell us when how to adjust our breathing patterns to potentially help the parasympathetic nervous system regulate better.
So this is tremendously valuable. I have been personally experimenting with the HeartMath, which is a device that measures heart rate variability. And I've found it tremendously helpful. One thing that's unique about the HeartMath approach is that they talk about a concept called coherence. And coherence basically means when your heart and mind are in sync. So their, their modality is to teach how to use heart rate variability training with mindfulness, um, mainly coming from a place of openness and compassion and love while you're working on your training, your, your breathing and um, training on regulating your heart rate. This is very helpful because when the heart and body are matched up, then this effect of coherence is, is potentially a good measure of well-being. So that's, that's my takeaway from this episode. This is Dr. Rindy, and thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week with our next episode of One Thing.